All right, welcome to the third episode of Yes Sir, Hey Sir. Welcome everyone. Uh, then today is going to be somewhat special as promised in episode two. We are going to talk a little bit about this uh, idea of metacognition, which is supposedly the superpower of the 21st century for teaching and learning. And as always, I have my partner in crime with me today, Dennis. Dennis, uh, I know we, prior to the session, again, you were complaining about the weather. Is it really, really cold now? Um, well, it's... Hey, remember, um, as I said prior, I was very comfortable in the tropical climate. So it's yeah. probably about 12, 13 degrees, but the wind factor makes it colder. Yeah. So the days of wearing shorts um, are probably over here. Right. Okay, 12 to 13 degrees sounds like wonderful weather in hot, humid, sticky <laughs> Singapore. Uh, but today has been a somewhat uh, untypical light weather because it's raining the whole day. Uh, just reminds me of a little bit about London because it's really been uh, a bit grey. Uh, but that's all right. So, as promised, so I think let, let's jump straight into today's topic. Now, there's increasing talk globally of the importance of metacognition now in all areas of life and, of course, for students in school. Now, can you just maybe let's for us to unpack and have a conversation around the topic on metacognition. Why is it such a hot topic? And why is it, as I said in our introduction, why is it considered like a super uh, super skill for students in today's world? Now, I just want, before you before you jump into it, I just want to say that for me, right, uh, all I learned about metacognition in teacher college was it is thinking about your thinking. Uh, and it has been 21 years and until now, I still have no idea what it is. <laughs> So, so we are going to have a conversation on this. So, Dan, why is it such a hot topic? Okay. Um, it's a hot topic for a couple of reasons. One is it is mentioned now in so-called 21st century competencies. And amongst those, there's things like problem solving, uh, communication and collaboration and creativity. And metacognition yeah. is in with those. Now, let me say something. Yeah. When we lived in the um, the caves or the campons or whatever it, whatever it was many, many thousands or millions of years ago, if a, if a saber-toothed tiger came up to our um, cave or campon, we had a problem to solve, particularly if it was going to eat, eat our families. Um, so problem solving and teamwork, communication and collaboration are really... Um, first century skills if you like because yep. we've always needed those all that's happened today is as things as societies become more complex um the problems just get perhaps more more complex and confusing now metacognition as you said mark it, the, the term actually was um, coined by someone called flavel in yep. 1976 and he talks about thinking about our thinking and what this goes back to is that thinking as we know good thinking critical thinking creative thinking we keep talking about these things they're very important cognitive capabilities and yeah. if, if anybody uh, who's listening to this podcast just wants to think back to certain mistakes that they've made in their lives now this they don't have to make any of these public to anybody but looking back when we talk about hindsight being 2020 vision you usually find that you've done some poor thinking you haven't done enough analysis you haven't really thought about the decision making process what criteria are important uh, and that's because very often uh, what we know about the brain is that the brain is quite lazy when it comes to thinking we just like to pull something out that we already have okay. so thinking itself is is difficult to do well and many people don't do it well um so metric the idea of metacognition was that if we can monitor our thinking we can improve the quality of our thinking so that was the essential idea that as humans and the imp really interesting thing is it's probably only humans who have this distinct capability to actually think about their thinking just like now i'm thinking about what i'm going to say so it's clear concise and people don't get bored i hope nobody's okay. getting bored so tremendously important capability to use well okay. however 
what we know is that thinking is influenced a lot um, subconsciously um, by other parts of our being, like emotions. Uh, we all know that sometimes you, you see red and you say the wrong thing or you send a, an email out and you think, oh, I wish I wouldn't have done that. So what new definitions, um, the most current and the evidence-based definitions of metacognition include now that metacognition is the human capability, yes, to monitor, review and evaluate our thinking, but also to think about how our thinking could be influenced by our existing beliefs, which obviously lead us to see things in certain ways, and also emotions. So it's about complete self-regulation and that's tremendously important because issues like well-being are becoming increasingly talked about, not just in education, but generally. So the idea of being metacognitive is that we are more aware of ourselves, our thinking processes, our belief systems, our emotions. And we can try. And it's not always easy because these things exist in our brain almost as competing kind of programs. But we have a capability to self-regulate better and be more self-directed in our lives. And in an, in an educational context, we want to develop the capacity, capability, whatever, to uh, enable our students to be better self-directed learners, which is another big buzzword in education. So that's why it's so important, because it is such an important capability for dealing with the increasing complex world that we live in. And um, it should be central to curriculum planning and teaching. Okay, so while again, there's a lot to unpack there, but let's let's start off with uh, maybe clarifying the idea of metacognition a little bit more. Now, uh, in, I'm sure I, I remember you reading the book because I think we were sitting next to each another uh, on an aeroplane and I noticed the title of the book. And the title of the book was by Daniel Kahneman, Thinking Fast and Thinking Slow. Yeah, uh, and and he he basically puts thinking into two parts. Okay, uh, think fast is things that come by instinct. We really don't need to spend too much time, cognitive uh, abilities on it because it's literally like second nature. Like for example, where shall we go and eat today? Okay, you don't need to expend too much uh thinking around it. Now, the for he what he thinks the one about thinking slow is where you need to be deliberate in your thinking where you need to consider pros and cons, where you need to think about uh, some of the potential uh, implications of your thinking. Now, frame that, what he said, in terms of metacognition. How does metacognition fit into what he calls think fast and think slow? Well, it fits perfectly because what he basically says is that typically for everyday small problems we probably have the correct answer but when things get more complicated just yeah. say oh let's do this um is very fuzzy and potentially poor thinking so we have to make a conscious decision this is where the metacognition comes in if we're actually aware that we have these two and these two systems the fast and slow one are just metaphors but essentially if we're metacognitive and if we teach students to be metacognitive what we hope is that when they're faced with a difficult problem they don't just rush it oh well i know this or i think this or maybe this they actually say hold on a minute uh, this isn't me choosing my breakfast cereal is it cornflakes or is it weetabix at the end right. of the day does it really matter but if exactly. they're thinking about their choice of career or how they go about their learning, or how they interact with their peers at school, uh, all of these important, you know, their relationships with people generally, uh, it's, it's really important that they really think about, hold on, am I communicating well? Am I thinking well? Do I have enough information here? Am I going to make myself look silly by doing this? Am I going to get myself in trouble? So the idea is that we have to be metacognitive, to recognize that sometimes our thinking, and if we're thinking fast, may not be terribly useful. We have to say, hold on, need to analyze more, need to um, evaluate this more, need to get some more information. So it's a tremendously important um, part of the old thinking process that if you're metacognitive, you know by definition of developing metacognitive capability, it's a term I use, that you have to monitor your thinking and say, hold on a minute, um, am I 
am I thinking um, fast here based on very limited knowledge and am I likely to make a mess or do I need to slow down? You know, you know, when you say to people, right, let's sleep on this, you know, that kind of thing. Well, let's be metacognitive on this. That's the real big point. Be metacognitive. You can sleep on it, but you wake up the same. It's by metacognition that you're able to really analyze and evaluate, review your own thinking. So, yeah, massive, massive connection there. Right. So, so it sounds to me that it is something that somebody needs to do quite deliberately. Uh, and so then maybe my question would be, is how would the person know that they are doing it correctly? Now, I could be doing it deliberately, but how do I then know that the quality of my metacognition is actually quite good? What could be something that I need to look out for uh, in order for me to, to reassure myself that I'm actually doing it correctly? Okay, well, there's certain things that in life, what we often do is not plan things terribly well. And what metacognition starts to um, teach us as as an entity is that um, when when things are important, we need to be very clear about what our goals are. For example, I could be a student at school and I say, uh, say to myself, I'd like to do engineering or I'd like to do psychology. And what I would do then by being metacognitive, what is my goal? Well, my goal is to get the necessary school subject grades in order to go to university um, to be able to do this. So right away, you set clear goals. Now, what we know about goals, Mark, is that even from evidence-based teaching methods, which we talked about, I think we mentioned one um in the previous podcast that remember we said that if you know what you already know that really helps with learning well it also helps an eye effect method is to help students set clear challenging realistic goals for their learning and there's a big reason for that it's a pathway in order to analyze and evaluate how well you're doing so if i say to myself right um i need to do a level maths physics biology in order to go to medical school right my goal is has got to be as we know you need i grades is to get the grade a's or a pluses so you set those goals then once you set goals then then that sets you on a thinking path well to meet these goals to get these grades what have i got to do one thing that's going to come into everything that's challenging is hard work, perseverance. So I've got to learn I have to persevere. There's no point in me saying, oh, well, this is getting difficult. I'm giving up or I'm going to do this in 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, you've got to recognise that. Then you've got to think about, OK, what are the learning objectives for each of my courses? Right. And, you know, a good teachers communicate what the um, the learning outcomes are and the expectation. But sometimes some may not. So if you're metacognitive, you must find that out. You ask the teacher, you look at the course syllabus and you say, right, I need to learn uh, theories of psychology. I need to compare and contrast research methods, et cetera, et cetera. So you develop a learning plan and then you evaluate your learning over time. And if it's not successful, well, what learning strategies? The good thing about metacognition is A key aspect of it is knowing how the mind works. Now, this isn't very complex, but key aspects of the learning process. Am I learning this? Uh, How do I check it? Well, I can check it by doing some um, past papers, some questions. I can check it with my teacher. If I've got a group of peers who are similarly motivated, I can check with them. So the idea is that you are able to be clear about what you need to learn, and have a clear, clear learning plan and learn learning to learn strategies how to organize information, uh, making sure that you're working with your memory to make sure that you're building understanding. So that's what makes it so important because it gives you a measure of control over your own learning, which you can analyze, review and evaluate. So it's a tremendous capability to have. Okay, so so okay, so let let let's try and model this. Okay, uh, let let let's do a little let's do a little simple exercise for people who are listening to this and they are thinking to themselves. Okay, uh, let let's try and give them a specific example. Uh, and this is going to be interesting because we didn't rehearse for this. So so let's see how this how this works. Yeah, out. well, yeah. We, we are we are serious and playful. So right. okay, um, so let's model this. so let's model this. Okay, so. Yeah. So, um, okay, so I, I, I'll play the role of a student and now you, you model this and you are going to be my tutor or my lecturer, right. okay? Yep. So, 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 let's say we are working on a difficult topic 
on let's say uh, uh, okay let, let's do us let's do a topic on uh, the, the 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 economic effects of why certain countries are lagging behind first world countries okay so right. that you you would have gone through the, it is very clear what the learning outcomes are you have told it to me uh, and now that you have given me a case study okay yeah. uh, and now i find myself a bit stuck uh, with a bit of the questions. Now, I want you to help me or help our people who are listening, right? So the student comes to you and says, uh, Sir or Chair, uh, I'm stuck. I don't know what to do. How then would you guide that person to uh, kick in that uh, whole thing that we talked about in terms of uh, getting them to start thinking, getting them to start monitoring their thinking, starting them to think more effectively and more uh, with a bit more quality so you know uh, and, and and i use that is because i think some students i'm not saying all some students want to take the easy way out and that's sure why don't you just tell me the answer okay well, so, so, so so let's model yeah. this how, how, how should we approach it if we want okay. them to be more metacognitive right okay now i'm going to answer this but firstly yeah. say something that would be really important that okay. the student would have learned because I would have explicitly taught it before exactly. they come back to me. So sure. it's really important when we say about learning anything. Um, we talked about teaching methods, didn't we, with the last podcast with yeah. um, Gavin Williamson. Uh, he's right on one thing that directing good direct instruction, which we know to be clear explanation you know from the part of the teacher is not a bad thing so if i'm going to develop students metacognitive skills on a metacognitive capability i would teach them some key things about thinking for example i'll teach them about yeah. thinking fast thinking slow and what the dangers are of just thinking fast all the time i will also teach them things that when we do critical thinking, it's important to analyze the situation. So if we're talking about a global problem, try to analyze it, compare and contrast it perhaps with similar problems in other parts of history. I would also get them to think about, well, OK, um, as I'm analyzing it, what, what am I understanding or am I am I stuck on something? So I just don't understand something. So I would expect them to be looking at what they already know and trying to find out what they're stuck on. Because when they come to me and they say, I'm stuck, I, I would say to them, okay, fine. Um, let's look at well what have you what have you read so far? Um, what do you understand? And okay. Then, so and so okay. no no no, no. So, hang on hang on hang on hang on hang on hang on so to take a step back, okay. So ask that first question again, and then I will say it, and then you model it for 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 people who are listening. Yeah. Okay. okay. So, so ask the first question. Yeah. yeah. So Mark, tell yeah. me now. You you say that you know you, it's good that you come to talk to me because learning is a collaborative process. There's no point you sitting there worrying if you if you haven't done the reading. I would say to you, have you have you read this article or these articles by X and Y who look at the problem and give their their perspective. I would ask you to see if you've done this. Yes, have I have. That? Yes, I have. So you've done that. Do you understand the difference between this theory and that theory? Different. You take global warming. You've still got people who are saying, I mean, I think it was Trump even, um, you know, that great intellectual president who, who said, that, is, is there really global warming? So what, what I would say is, are you familiar with the different perspectives about this problem? So why, you, okay, so, so why, so as a student, I'm answering, uh, why is that important? Why do I need to know that? Well, you need to know that because to solve any problem or to come up with new ideas on how to solve a problem, you've got to really understand the different aspects of the problem, the different perspectives on the problem and um, the, the types of evidence that exists for these various things. Like, say, with global warming, you've got some people who say it's just a natural cycle. Other people put it down to, um, you know, some chemical. Others put it down to pollution aspects different kind of things that in order to um, understand it you've got to know what the different theories are because otherwise you can't possibly move forward you're just you're just going to be in fast thinking on oh well oh we need to tidy the place up a bit you know we need to um, you know stop wasting things well okay that, that's very glib isn't it yes we need to do that but 
unless you understand fully what the areas are and the fact that not everybody's going to listen to it. So what is a viable um, set of strategies to deal with it? Okay. So now that I, okay, I agree with you. So I know both perspectives. Uh, people who actually uh, believe that global warming is a, a phenomenon that we need to address if not the planet is, uh, is going to be destroyed faster than we think. Uh, but I've also uh, read uh, a few points on the skeptics who think that maybe this is uh, not really such a big problem after all. So what do I do, what, what do, I do now? Well, okay, so you're aware that there's different viewpoints on it, yes. right? So I would now say, well, what what evidence have you looked at? Because you're reading these different perspectives and people will be presenting arguments. They will have certain assumptions, certain premises, but they should have certain evidence. What evidence is there for these different perspectives? Have you looked at this evidence? And just what what is the quality of the evidence? Is it just one piece of research or is it is it done by a leading um, body right. that is not aligned to a political party. In, in other words, you know, the idea of kind of, if you like, media literacy that's talked about now, or digital literacy or fake news, these kind of things. What is it? What is the evidence source? And do you actually think that that evidence source it meets the criteria of, of good research? Is it properly formulated research? Is it extensive? Is it collaborated by other types of research? So I'm encouraging them here to get information, to get their minds into, if you like, slowing the brain down, because you need to slow it down in order to look at this information. People don't like to often read stuff. And it, yeah, yeah, it's got to be crisp. It's got to be in small bites. Yes, you must manage cognitive load. However, the kind of notion that oh, we don't need to read books anymore or read articles anymore, you know, is dangerous nonsense. Oh, we can just go on the Internet. The problem is a lot of the stuff on the Internet is very shallow, very superficial and often dangerous nonsense. OK, so let's come. So let's come back. OK, so so while you do that uh, and, and as a typical student, uh, I come to you. But, uh, sir, it's it's a little bit too onerous is a little bit too hard uh why don't you just give me the model answer i'll memorize it and then i'll just write it down but well it's a very easy answer to that that that, that there is a, you can memorize something that needs to be memorized and you know you know you see these quiz shows who wants to be a millionaire yep. at the end of the day the million dollar question is easy to somebody who's a specialist in that field so if someone said to me um in the match between um, Crew Alexander and Doncaster Rovers in 1923, can you tell me uh, what the weather conditions were like that night and what the name of the referee was and what was the name of the referee's dog? Now, that seems a terribly hard question, but if I just happened to be a Crew Alexander supporter who was there that night and I knew the referee personally because he drinks in the local pub with me and I know that he's got a Jack Russell dog called Russell. It's a dead easy question, isn't it? So yeah. the point I'm trying to make to the students is that to model a complex answer um, is just not possible. You have to understand the topic and show that you have analysed it. You have compared and contrasted different perspectives, that you've made an interpretation based on the evidence. And what you're suggesting is based on criteria. And the criteria could be things, if we're talking about conservation of the environment, uh, issues to do with the the cost of degradation if we don't um, uh, deal with it, how much money we have to spend in the first place, you know, what people are affected, what their perspectives are. So what we're doing is we I'm trying to get the student to think better and say, look, um, you have to understand these things. There is no right answer. Is there a right? I mean, look, um, when I was in Singapore, um, you know, you have rules there in Singapore that people in the West may not agree with, things like the death penalty and whatever. And at the end of the day, is there a right or wrong answer to should you have the death penalty or should you not? It's, 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 there's some evidence either way, but ultimately it's a value judgment. And to get students to recognize that sometimes values are involved. So you're helping students to go across different disciplines as economic arguments, as ethical arguments. Uh, there's um, there's arguments to do with viability. So you've got to get students to think 
about what they're learning and build understanding, not memorize model answers to complex problems. It just it just doesn't. It's just okay. not useful learning. It's not okay. deep learning. Yeah. Okay. So so this is where two two. Okay. So I think we we more or less have modeled it. Uh, and thanks for for that for that very comprehensive uh thoughts on that. Uh, and there are two things that that now jump out for me that uh, and I think maybe we can we can talk about. Number one is. Uh, then does this put to bed, honestly, the argument of do I really need to teach content or do I really need to teach my students how to think and learn? Mark, that's, that, that is a great question. And, yeah. uh, and we haven't planned this. I mean, we are doing these podcasts to make it informative, practical and fun and also natural. Now, that argument has gone on for ages. And I remember even in Singapore in my early days, there was an argument. Yeah. Well, uh, let me give you an analogy. Um, I used to have a Fiat minibus when I lived in the UK years ago. And in the winter, it rarely started if it was wet, damp weather. Right. I would open the bonnet and I would look at it. And in it, there were parts. There was metal, there was plastic. Uh, however, no matter how much I know about human thinking, I can never fix that car because I have no knowledge. I don't know what the parts are. I could be pulling this wire. I could be doing this. I could be spraying something on something. Uh, the chance is it's like doing a Sudoku cube that if you know how to do it, I think people can do it in like five or six minutes. Put me on a desert island uh, with a Sudoku cube uh, and I don't know how to do it. I would probably die. Do you, do, mean a, do you mean a Rubik's Cube or do you yeah, mean a yeah, Sudoku yeah. puzzle? Oh, yeah. That shows you how much I know about the Sudoku is a, as another type of puzzle, right? Yeah. I don't think it'd be the same thing doing the Sudoku, isn't it? Yeah, I I've never actually heard of that, but um, yeah, a Rubik's Cube. So the bottom line is this. You can't think well about things that you know nothing about. So this is the big myth in education. If we get students to think, well, you can't think without content. People yeah. who have good knowledge um, are more likely to think well. But people that have just memorized lots of knowledge, this is why it's so important to have thinking and meta, you know, metacognition as the regulator, because the two must go together. I can be um, I can think well about educational issues. Well, I think I can. I don't know what the audience think, but I think I can. But you know why? Because I've read thousands and thousands of books and articles and, you know, written a lot as, you know, as people can search and find and read if they're interested. But you asked me um, to give an opinion on how to uh, develop a good garden. I'm totally yeah. lost. I have no idea. All I know is the soil and you can put stuff in it. But I wouldn't know what, you know, if I want to grow tomatoes, I wouldn't know what tomatoes to grow. I wouldn't know how to plant them. I wouldn't know how to do those. In fact, when I had a garden many years ago, uh, I, I naively grew some strawberries. And I thought, oh, this is good. And I've got someone to show me. So I had a little bit of knowledge. But no one told me um, that once they start going red, that the birds eat them. So in the end, I fed the local sparrow population, but I didn't get any strawberries. So you must have solid foundational knowledge and what thinking does this is the interesting thing is if you teach knowledge and thinking together it's knowledge plus thinking and some perseverance that's what builds understanding and that is hardcore cognitive science and not many people actually um really know that knowledge okay. plus so, thinking so, so yeah so let's rewind that a little bit uh yeah. and and this is important so um, we are saying it is not one or the other. It's really about finding the good balance between really providing the basic fundamental understanding of a subject uh, with key concepts and then also helping uh, students, uh, uh, you know, use metacognition to really monitor their thinking and, the and to improve the quality of thinking. So then which brings me to my question, and I'm sure people will be asking, uh, you know, Dennis, I already have so much to cover in terms of content. I really don't have the time to do that. Now, it sounds like a beautiful concept, you know, slow yeah. down, think slowly, uh, improve your thinking, you'll be a much better thinker, uh, and you'll be successful. Uh, and I think that's what anybody can pick up in any good teaching book, uh, which, which they will say. So, and we pride ourselves in being practical people. 
So right now, if people are listening to this and say, okay, yeah, you know, sounds all good. What can we do or what can uh, teachers specifically do, okay, to do that balance that we talked about? Well, let's have an analogy that um, if you look at obesity rates in some societies, and certainly UK would fit an high obesity rate, we have... I think more money is spent on treating type 2 diabetes than I think the war in, in Iraq or Afghanistan. Now, what this basically means, this is an analogy, that you can say to pe people, know, should know, that if you eat well, you exercise well, you'll be healthier. But people yeah. don't do it. However... If you make that effort, it's like going in the gym, that if you go in the gym, you say, oh, well, I've spent 20 minutes in the gym. Uh, I could have been doing something else. Well, when you're fitter, you feel better. You're less likely to get ill. Uh, it raises your energy levels. You can actually be much more effective in life generally, as well as um, not having to spend money on um insulin for your um for your diabetes so the thing about teachers if teachers can teach and you do this within the context of teaching the content knowledge you make sure that the students keep their their notes organized that they know what their goals are they have a learning plan you teach them how to do critical thinking uh how to be metacognitive say to them look hold on now you're thinking like this this is what you've done have you done enough analysis? Do you have enough information? Do you actually understand this? Um, you get them to develop the skills of monitoring their thinking. Once they get good at learning how to learn, it's a bit like the analogy. You can, somebody's fishing analogy, you can give someone a fish a day and they might live on that. But if you actually teach them how to fish and they then develop further skills, then they're much better off than that one fish. So if teachers okay. make the effort to teach students yep. and to know how it works themselves. So teachers learn. A lot of teachers are not familiar with metacognition. And we know from research that many teachers globally, Tony Wagner's work in the Achievement Gap, he said he travels the world and teachers say, yeah, we've got to get students doing critical thinking. But when he actually asks them, well, how do you do that? Most of them don't seem to know. So it's really yep. important that teachers themselves are very familiar and can model demonstrate and teach good thinking and metacognition is part of good thinking because metacognition is the self-regulatory if you like the helicopter view of how you do critical and creative thinking so in the yeah. long run teachers will get students who become self-directed which means they don't have to keep going over the same stuff because the students have failed to memorize it and don't understand it so it's a great educational investment in time both for teachers and for students and it will make them more effective learners and hopefully more intrinsically motivated and a better sense of self-efficacy so it's it's bonkers not to do it yeah well you you well you brought me back to my own uh, thoughts about my own teaching journey when you say bro, not many people know about it well uh, it took me 21 years to finally get a grip and handle on it uh okay so so that's the why uh, I, I think most people listening to this won't dispute that okay so so that that's the why now i i let's let's go and do a little bit of the how so one of the things i think we talked about uh was maybe we kept and and I think we want to acknowledge that teachers are already have a lot of things full on their plate. Uh, covering the content is one, especially now with uh, less instructional face-to-face -face time because of COVID. Uh, and then now, okay, please make sure you can balance that, making them better thinkers, okay? And I think most teachers uh, agree to it. So that's the why. So let's do the how part. Now, I think one of the things that we can do, uh, and really as teachers, and I think most teachers maybe underestimate the first strategy that I think I want to share is this idea about leveraging on teaching or teachable moments. So, then you want to talk about that a little bit more? What about teachable moments that teachers can use to help their students be more metacognitive? Well, first of all, be clear about what a teachable moment is. It's when something occurs that yeah. really hits the, the point. So, if I've got students who are getting in a panic they're coming to 
do that. Uh, I slow them down and say, well, hold on a minute. Remember when we were solving, I might have an example. Remember two weeks ago, we were working on a problem and you said, oh, we can't do it, chair. You know, I'm using the Singaporean term here or what. Yeah. And I said, to them, right, well, let's slow down now. Let's look at what we do know. Let's look at what the goal is. Let's look at what the outcomes are. Let's start to make better sense of this and say, well, where are we now? What do we know? What can we do? Yeah. And where do we need to get to? And what's our best learning plan? And let's have a strategy for filling the gap between where we are now and yep. where we need to be. Okay. So that's often a teachable moment where you say, right, remember, in the past, you had this experience. This is what we've done. So we're going to do that now. Let's now say, look, this has happened. We've done something wrong. We've made a mistake. What was the mistake? Well, we failed to get the right information or we forgot something or we didn't do this. So let's look at how do we rectify this? Let's look at how we build on that. So that's the teachable moment. I mean, there's a nice cartoon where um, the, the mother comes home and the kid has been playing baseball in, or something like that in the living room. And he, he smashed several vases. And when she looks at him, you know, with a sense of fury, he actually, he says, uh, let's, let's use this as a teachable moment. In other words, <laughs> <laughs> I made a big mistake here. Let's say, right, what was the mistake? And very often in learning, the mistake is that we haven't done the right planning. We've, we've, we've procrastinated. We know that the brain is quite lazy. It doesn't really like to do thinking. In fact, yeah. Daniel Willingham says that in his book. So we, we have to be metacognitive and say, look, how many times, Mark, as, have people said, oh, well, I intended to do it. Well, yeah. the difference between people that are successful is to say yes to things that other people say no to. Yeah. So if students said, oh, I don't want to do, I don't want to spend um, time doing this. I'd much rather be on the computer playing. Um, I don't, I've never played a computer game. Space Invaders, I mean, that's yeah. the only one I played. That. I, I want to do this, or I want to go to the disco, and I want to do that. Well, fine. If you do all those things, but if you haven't got time to put into this work, you're probably not going to do it very well. So, yeah. you know, to so, get them to recognize that they can make choices, but very often they don't actually want to do it, but they want, you know, everybody wants a box of chocolates, but maybe they don't want to um, you know, spend the money on buying those chocolates. So to make students very aware that hard work, effort, perseverance needs them to consciously say, right, I'm going to use this time to do this. And I must try and stick to that all the time. In fact, must do it. Don't use try as often to get out. Well, I tried, but I couldn't. I will spend the time doing that. So yeah. that's a really important point to get across there is that okay. yeah, use the teachable moments to say, look, this is what this is the situation. Let's learn from this. Let's be metacognitive. Yeah, I'd actually use the language. Look, people say it's a yeah, um, there's a lot of aspects to metacognition, but the bottom line is it's the ability to think about what you're doing, how your mind is feeling at a particular time. So what are you doing? How are you thinking? How are you feeling? Because that's going to govern your actions. And what you want to do is to make the future actions more um, useful and better, more effective and efficient for meeting the goal, because the goal is always important. If you don't have a goal, you're not going to do much anyway, are you? So, you know, metacognition is is about people who want to meet goals. And most people want to meet goals in their lives. And if they don't want, if they don't have any goals, they're probably in a, a pretty depressed state, possibly. Yeah. So I think I think when you were referring to Daniel Willingham, I think he wrote the book, Why Don't Students Like School? Uh, and Daniel yeah, Willingham is a cognitive scientist. And I think that's a good book for people to go and check out uh, uh, if you were, if you were wondering. Yeah. <laughs> You saved me uh, uh, what book to recommend or what articles because there's so much written that, you know, people listening to this show, if you started giving them a massive book list, they'd probably say, oh, I can't. And, and they'd be right. They wouldn't have time to read so much stuff. But certainly in cognitive science, um, Daniel Willingham's book on why students don't like school is a really good book. And he writes quite clearly um, in the area of cognitive science, in very practical terms, easy to understand. So if you're going to read one book um, about cognitive science, particularly 
core principles of learning. My work follows a lot on from what Willingham actually did. Um, yeah, good book. It's yeah. very readable. Uh, excellent, excellent book. So right. um, that's okay. that, that's a good that's a good choice. So that's our um, book recommendation for people that want to go a bit deeper and a bit further. Right. Okay. So so number one is leverage. So strategy number one is leverage on teachable moments. Strategy number two is looking at how we can introduce real-world tasks. Uh, what does that mean and what would that look like? Well, um, I remember at school being given loads of worksheets that we're just copying and labelling things. And I used to think, well, this is really boring. The, the parts of a spirogyra, some pond weed or whatever, that I've never seen, that I've no interest in. Or um, Real-world tasks are where students have got to solve problems it's not problem but it's not pro, um, problem based learning as such but it's, they've got to find information out they've got to do analysis they've got to compare and contrast things they might have to build something uh, all tasks that involve types of thinking usually typically critical thinking uh, it's don't expect too much creative thinking you know from school kids really you can get them to generate possibilities you want them to do creative thinking but that they don't have enough knowledge to come up with penicillin or something like that in most cases so we want to get students to analyze to compare and contrast to make inferences and interpretation and to evaluate so they develop good critical thinking skills right so yeah. you've got to give them tasks that get them thinking not cast tasks that just they can go on the internet and just cut and paste the load of stuff and use some software and put some music on and it all looks nice and glossy but there's no real learning at the end of the day students have got to engage the cognitive processes of thinking critical thinking the analysis of compare and contrast etc with the knowledge because it's that effort that builds understanding it's like a skill i can watch roger federer play tennis all day i can see exactly what he does i know what he does but I've got to put that massive deliberate practice in and you don't develop expertise, whether it's in a cognitive capability, like metacognition. Metacognition will not be something you just turn the switch on, but what you firstly must know what it is, what's important about it, and the various skill sets involved, setting the goals, using learning strategies, being able to slow your mind down, to be honest with yourself and say, hold on, really, my beliefs are this. So I'm not going to think away from my beliefs. So there you go. Or to say, well, hold on, I've been taught this in my culture, but maybe uh, other cultures, other ways of looking at things have merit. And I'm going to read about it and I'm going to look at the evidence and maybe I might reframe it in certain ways. So that's how it worked make thinking visible, um, teach students how to do it. Good teachers should be modelling these thinking processes and modelling metacognition themselves. Say, right, guys, we've been working on this problem. Let's stop now. Let's slow down. Let's look at what we've done. How do we feel about it? Is our assumptions, our beliefs in, in, interfering with not finding new knowledge? Yeah. So that's, it's a combination of things, teachable moments, giving students good um, direct instruction on it and giving them plenty of practice through real world tasks because that way by doing real world tasks they're connecting the the thinking process with content knowledge and building understanding and if they're doing skillful activity with deliberate practice they're developing competence and that's what a good learning system looks like right and then i think you mentioned this also earlier is really to use the language of thinking uh, and making it explicit for them. So just as a quick summary for, for this, this part, uh, one is if you are thinking of trying to introduce metacognition in your classrooms, one, you can make use of teachable moments. Two, think about how you can give them the basis for the knowledge that they would need to have through direct instruction, uh, and really also offering them real-world tasks that involve complex thinking and not just simply memorizing and regurgitating facts. And more importantly, also to make use of the proper language, okay, and really to model it for the students. So that's quite chunky, and I think we only just managed to just scratch the surface of it, uh, to be honest. Uh, but we are also, uh, you know, running out of time. So we, we will hold that for, for the time being. And uh, what we can do is maybe also just uh, in future episodes, we might want to consider inviting, uh, you know, real uh, educators or experts in the field of metacognition to also share their thoughts and experiences. 
so let's move on to the to the second part where we want to you know share a little bit about some of the things that we have been uh, going through over the week and that we think will be useful for uh, teachers or educators. So just now we already jumped the gun a little bit by talking about Daniel Willingham book uh, book on why uh, why don't students like school? Uh, do you have anything else that you wanted to share then? Well, um, certainly Daniel Willingham's book is a great read in cognitive science. Um, what we've done in this podcast uh, is to take on the many-edited monster of metacognition. And yeah. we've had a good go at that. And hopefully uh, for the listeners, it's generated some um, thinking themselves about do they are they metacognitive as teachers, do they understand the, the idea that it's not just thinking about thinking, but managing how things actually interfere with good thinking and some of yeah. the strategies. Um, for the interested reader, if they type in um, Dennis Sale uh, plus self-directed learning um, plus soft chalk. So that's Dennis Sale, my name, soft chalk, self-directed learning. You can play around with the terms. You'll get it anyway. I did... Um, do a five series um, uh, blog post on framing self-directed learning, which is really about metacognition, because if students are metacognitive, if they develop those capabilities, those skills, they will actually become more self-directed because that's what it's all about. Being able to understand the learning process of which thinking is a significant part and be able to plan your own learning, evaluate it and feel a sense of self-efficacy as a learner. So uh, that's something for those who want to go a bit deeper. I'm not trying to sell my own work here, uh, Mark, but I spent many years, as you know, researching um, metacognition and there are so many books and so many articles and there's lot, a lot of quality work, but it is quite complicated and uh, if you don't have a background in it, you might find it a bit turgid. So kick in, have a look at my blog post, and then you can pick. There's dozens of references. You can go deeper and further if you want to. All right. Okay. So uh, I, I want to share uh, a, a little tool that I, I came across. Uh, and in light of the fact that we have been doing quite a fair bit of uh, online teaching and learning, and there's a lot of uh, teachers I know who make use of collaborative uh, applications such as Google Documents and so forth. Uh, and I found this little nifty app called Moti, M-O-T-E. Uh, and you can go and check it out at J-U-S-T-M-O-T-E dot M-E. Uh, and it's basically about uh, leaving voice uh, notes or feedback for students for online documents. Uh, and I think giving good quality feedback is one of the most important things teachers do for students but it can be time-consuming. Uh, and because of that, some teachers maybe just don't do enough of it. So a little nifty tool like Moti, which happens to be a Google Chrome, Google Chrome extension, which means you don't need to really download uh, any kind of new application to your computer, uh, lets you add voice comments to any Google Docs, slide presentation, spreadsheet, or even in the Google Class environment. Uh, and I believe using voice instead of writing is not only faster, but I think it provides more personal, uh, a, a more personal touch so that students can hear your actual voice and you don't have to be bogged down by writing so much feedback. So uh, I, I don't know if you are excited about that tool, Dennis. Uh, you can go and check it out this week uh, and let me know what you think of it. Uh, you're yeah. making me work hard on this uh, e-told yeah. evaluation. Yeah, well, I did, I did give you my feedback, um, on the last podcast yeah. on the um, um, Thingling. Thingling. Yeah, and yeah, that, that's, a, that's a cracking tool. Um, yeah. I'll have a look at this one and yep. um, I'll give you my feedback. I think this works quite well, Mark, because, okay. you, you know, you're, you're the real techie guy here compared yeah. to, you know, your knowledge is great. So you think <laughs> the tools are, and if you think they're good, put yeah. them past me and I'll look at them pedagogically. And also, is it easy to use? Because if it's not easy to use, I'm not going to use it and nor will many teachers. So we'll keep that yeah. evaluation going. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, cool. So so if you're interested to check out this tool, uh, it is, once again, you just need to go to J-U-S-T-M-O-T-E dot M-E and check out the tool. So that brings us to the end of the third episode of our podcast. And uh, I, I had fun uh, in doing today's one. It was a, 
Uh, I was a bit worried that it would be a bit of a dry topic, but I think it's been quite interesting uh, thinking into account and really thinking deeply about my own practices. Uh, how, how do you feel about today's episode then? Yeah, um, it is, but it is really a big topic and um, it's something we can revisit parts of it. If uh, yes. people listening in, if Definitely. you want to, um, you know, Mark has told you how to contact us do give us feedback because uh, we can go a little bit more deeper we can go a little bit more wider and we can even use more humor um as i think nicholas chamfort once said that a day without laughter is a day wasted and you may have picked up that i am from east london and um to some extent for me humor uh, one of my own quotes, but I've probably got it from someone else. That humour is one of our best mechanisms to deal with the difficulties of nature and life. And when things go bad, yeah, try to see the funny side of things. Um, obviously, you can't always do that. But humour is a great tool for energising yourself, slowing your mind down, being creative, dealing with difficulties. So, so, right. Is, is that your quote for the week? Yeah, yeah. All right. Okay, cool. So uh, I, I, I'm just going to remind everyone before I end off with my quote, I'm just going to remind everyone how they can contact us. Uh, if you have listened to this and you would like to uh, maybe uh, join in the conversation or share with us some topics that you would like us to talk about, uh, please feel free to get in touch uh, at uh, evidencebasedcreativeteaching at gmail.com. Uh, once again, it is evidencebased creative teaching at gmail.com leave your comments leave your feedback or even leave your questions that you would like us to answer and we'll do our best to address them as we go along and as we start to build a library of podcast episodes okay so thank you very much for joining us and before we sign off i would like to share my quote for the week and i think this is quite apt regarding because the fact that we talked about metacognition and it is by one of my favorite philosophers named socrates and he says I cannot teach anybody anything. I can only make them think. How's that for a quote then? Yeah, absolutely. The people must take responsibility for making the effort and doing the thinking. But yep. as teachers, we can stimulate that and we can support that. So teachers are important in the learning process. All right. So once again, thank you, Dennis. Uh, I enjoyed myself. Thank you, everyone, for joining us on the third episode of uh, yes, sir. Hey, sir. We'll see you in the next episode. Take care, everyone. Stay safe. Keep learning. Goodbye. And goodbye from me. <laughs>